0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Off the Bench. I'm Brandon Carney. Alongside Maddie Kroll, as always, we are back from our Thanksgiving, our Turkey Day holiday. Maddie, how was your weekend? How was your extended weekend? What, what were you up to?
1: Well, I had a great week until OU lost. That was rough. We kind of talked about that. Um, but outside of that, no, it was good. I was fed well. And now I get to do a lot of cardio to make up for that. How You had a lot of traveling,
0: yeah, so I mean you just said cardio. I will be at the gym for the next several days straight for the same reasons. But yeah, big travel day. Uh we went down to Louisiana for a couple of days to see family, then Texas to see more family, and then we actually went to the Texas A&M LSU game. Uh Texas A&M is now undefeated at games that I've been to this year. So we got to storm the field, uh really cool opportunity. I mean, you know, I'm not an A&M grad. My girlfriend is, but I was able to storm the field and that's a, a circumstance that you're not going to run into too often with Texas A&M because they're expecting to win games most of the time. So it's kind of a unique thing. Uh, You know, They were super excited to have something to hang their hat on for this year to knock off number five LSU um, in the midst of what was an otherwise pretty disappointing season. So really cool.
1: Did you see that LSU player that was like hitting his head on the helmet and the bench's reaction? That was one of my favorite meetings. Moments that the looked weekend. painful.
0: That looked painful. But uh no, it, it was a really cool weekend. Uh we got back super late last night. And now, hey, we are back here, back on the grind. One other thing I do want to give a shout out to because it has developed over the past week. As many of you probably know, or maybe don't, I'm a UConn grad, University of Connecticut, and uh we are known for, you know, I mentioned our football team um on a previous podcast, but we're known for basketball. And our basketball team, man, they look Good, open the year. I believe it was ranked 24th or 25th, got up to 20th. And now, as we sit here recording this podcast with the latest rankings update, we are number eight in the country, sitting at eight and zero. And I just got to say, shout out to my Huskies because this is the best team I've seen in like a decade. So, before we get into any NFL, you podcasts,
1: also I'm have some that. subtle product placement in the back, too. I see a Huskies, it's not oh, like yeah. a cone yeah. or a hat. Yeah. Yeah, there a little, it is. Little Yukon Santa hat. UConn yeah, absolutely.
0: Ripping. So uh no, it was a good weekend for sports overall, good weekend for both the alma maters of me and my girlfriend. So we're having some fun. But hey, we got some NFL stuff to talk about. A lot of actually a lot of pretty big developments over a this lot. past week. Um, one of the major ones happening last night, actually. So the Packers hung with the Eagles, I think, a lot better than a lot of people expected they would. Um, uh, but the main question coming out of last night is one that's kind of been lingering over the NFL world for most of this season, I'll say, is it Jordan Love time in Green Bay? So Rodgers left the game with a rib injury, uh, ironically enough, almost a year to the day that Rodgers replaced Brett Favre on a Thanksgiving Day game due to injury. Um, and then Rodgers went on to start next season the season following. So will we get a repeat with Jordan Love? Maddie? what do you think about just the situation overall? Is it Jordan Love time in Green Bay? Are they going to stick with Rodgers for a little bit longer? Or should they stick with Rodgers for a little bit longer?
1: at this point i feel like rogers has lost the locker room i mean you saw that team kind of come out and throw support around love whenever we watched him play obviously you expect him to be able to step into that role and make some things happen you're not expecting a ton because he has been sitting but at the same time like you've had at least a year to be able to learn the playbook you know what's going on at the bare minimum so um i think as far as like what we saw from love there was nothing to deter him or to hinder them from playing him in the future, I think that it's time that we start letting Jordan Love take over. The thing is, is the Green Bay kind of shot themselves in the foot, right? Because ideally, you get rid of Rodgers and loves your guy, and you kind of just go through the season with that plan going into the off season. I don't know that they can actually do that the way that they set up his contract. I don't think that there's going to be any team that's willing to trade for Rodgers, especially with the way that he's played this year, the drama that he's brought the past two seasons. Um, I don't think that anyone's going to be willing to take the risk of of making a trade and taking on that financial responsibility. And I don't think Green Bay can kind of get out from underneath it. So I do think that we'll see Jordan Love for a little bit, but how long, I'm unsure.
0: Yeah, I do think... Just logically, it's probably time to sit Rodgers down for this year. Um, I mean, you can reevaluate what happens after that point if you want, but look, they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, You know, Rodgers, I believe we we have this quote that he had said, you know, as long as we're not mathematically eliminated, um, I'd like to be out there, but they might as well be, right? Like, logically, they're not going to go undefeated the rest of the way and get all that help. It's just not likely to happen. And now, you've got a chance to actually see what you have in Jordan Love. He looked pretty good in a short stint that he had in that game against one of the NFL's best defenses. And the Packers are at a point where they have to find out what they have in Jordan Love. I mean, we've we've honestly been talking about that for the last couple of years, but next year we're heading into year four for Jordan Love in the NFL. Like, it, it has flown by. This dude's mm-hmm. rookie contract is about to run out, and the Packers might not know what he is. Like, you have to let him play. Rodgers – it's also tough and a little bit ambiguous with him as well because it's like, is this fall off you know, completely age-related? Is this a sign of just what he's going to be for the rest of his career until he hangs it up? Or is he just completely hampered by these injuries? His thumb is basically broken. Um, now he's got this rib injury. Like, They're in a really, really, really tough spot. But I think step one to maybe getting a little clarity on things is you let Jordan Love go the rest of this year and at least you know what he is or you can see what, what he might be.
1: Right. Even just from a just a football in general standpoint, you don't want your leader coming out and saying this like, and eh, if there's a chance, I'll be out there. If not, don't count on me. Like that's up to the coaching staff. That's their decision. Right. This just shows that he thinks that he his say is the end all be all. And I just feel like that's very deterring for a team. Um, And even for me, I feel like that should be for the fan base.
0: Yeah, I do think at the very least, I mean, Rodgers is realistic about the situation. He's not like, oh, I, I got to be out there no matter what. Like, this is my team, all this. And, and while that is a confidence that you may like to see out of him, I think we know that that's within Rodgers. He's been a pretty good leader. I mean, a great quarterback for his entire career up to this point. It's just, it's mm-hmm. kind of hitting a weird, rough spot now. Um, I think he is realistic about what we just talked about. Like the Packers, they have to see what they have in love. He He realized that when they drafted Jordan Love, that eventually yeah. this was going to come to fruition. And now that they're, Rodgers is not only playing bad, but banged up. I mean, hey, he, he may want to, you know, at least get healthy and not continue tanking his own stock for if he ends up on another team next year or if he can be the guy in Green Bay for another year. So we'll see how that develops. But the team that the Packers lost to by, again, less than I expected uh, was the Philadelphia Eagles, part of the NFC East. And I just want to talk about the entire <laughs> NFC East would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. We had the same conversation about the AFC East a couple weeks ago. Now it's the NFC East. Maddie, do you think it stays that way? What are the chances? Give me give me a number, give me a percentage that the entire NFC East makes the playoffs.
1: Mm, it's possible. I don't think that it's going to happen. I think that especially with the Giants as banged up as they are, I have a feeling they're going to fall out. I mean, so the Giants and the Commanders play each other twice in the next I think 4 weeks that are coming up. They, I, I believe
0: they, they play each other this week is the first of those matchups. Yeah, and then I think right.
1: 2 weeks after. I could be wrong, but yes, you are mm. you are right. This week's going to determine a lot. I I would say the chances of all those teams making it in probably percentage-wise like 64, I second percentages. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that there's a good chance either the Commanders or the Giants are going to kind of get knocked out of there.
0: Yeah, but I think I, I it's a agree. done deal
1: with Cowboys
0: Eagles. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, Cowboys Eagles, barring a catastrophic meltdown, are, are mm-hmm. both going to make the playoffs. I think you look around the rest of the NFC and you look at the odds of it happening. Um, I would say it's pretty low as well. The Giants being the team that I would think will probably fall out in the Commanders. I mean, hey, with, with how well Taylor Heineke's playing and, and that defense as well, um, I could it's see the them team. tweaking in. But you look around the rest of the divisions, I mean, you got the Vikings are going to make it, um, mm-hmm. the 49ers coming uh, back. I mean, the record's not as good as we'd like to like it to be to call them a lock, but I feel like they're borderline a lock. Um, and then the Bucks, I'm just gonna say, will probably win the NFC South. I mean, I don't know. I still don't know what's going on in that We don't division. know
1: what's happening there. Someone,
0: yeah. Someone's coming out of that, to put it this way. One team is coming out of that division. So you ha- you'll have the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Vikings, call it the Bucks for now, and you got the Niners. Um, that leaves two more spots. I imagine I- I'll say probably the Seahawks can get in. Um over either the Giants or the Commanders.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: honestly, I, I don't think that 60, 64% or whatever you put on it is too out of the question. Just, the NFC is just weak. It's just weak. Like there's, it, it's yeah. top heavy. Um, the entire NFC South has a losing record, every single team mm-hmm. in it. Whereas the entire NFC East has a winning record. Winning. Like there, yeah. there are seven winning records in the NFC right now. And four of them are in the NFC East. So it's definitely not impossible. I would put it more at, 40-ish, 50-ish percent just because these these teams are going to cannibalize each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to play each other a bunch still the rest of the way. So it's probably unlikely. But, man, I did not think we'd be here regardless <laughs> yeah. of the NFC East. Like, this division is uh, has vastly exceeded mine. I think everybody else's expectations. Uh, one thing 100. I do want to touch on with the commanders, though. Did mm-hmm. you see the Sean Taylor statue shenanigans?
1: Statue? Do we still have to call it that? That is just the, that's the cherry on top of the Sunday of everybody just saying, just start over. Just burn the entire franchise to the ground and start from the beginning. Because, like, you almost, it almost looked like one of those fake acrylic guys that, like, the, like college teams. I don't know if you've ever been into like locker room. Oh, you those yeah. fake acrylic guys that they showcase mm-hmm. their uniforms on. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. I didn't even realize that it was wire until we got a closer look, but that's pathetic. And Sean deserved better.
0: It's even worse. It's like, you can, you can make that for literally any player. Like you could put, you can throw a Jersey number on, on that mannequin and, and call it a statue of anybody you want. It's like, I don't know. I just yeah. hope, I think in these types of situations with the commanders and how pitiful they've been the last few years, just top to bottom, you know, we have a tendency maybe to pile on and maybe be unfair <laughs> about things. Let me be clear. There's nothing unfair about the criticism yeah. that this statue is getting. Like you are trying to honor a player like Sean Taylor and you do it that way. I mean, again, it looks like they plucked a mannequin out of J.C. JCPenney and threw a jersey on it. it it, like you said, it almost looks like when a team is revealing a new Jersey, like that's going on in a display case like that. Sure. It's fine for that. It's not fine to honor a guy. What are you doing? Like
1: I've seen better memorials for like Kobe Bryant. That's, a mural painted on the side of the building right. like all around LA you can't go a block without seeing them like that's a better memorial than whatever this statue is sure. that yeah. was, it's something just that
0: has their actual likeness on it not yeah. a jersey <laughs> that you can put on literally anything Any, like you yeah could, someone could print a Taylor Heineke jersey and throw it over that like what are you doing my
1: my favorite part is they had I think it was the Nike jersey Adidas pants or shoes and then Reebok something else and I'm like it's not even uniform. Like, it's, it just doesn't make sense at all.
0: It's just lazy. It's a weird mm-hmm. – I don't even know if I can call it a PR move because it's not like it's a, a super timely thing. I mean, Sean, the Sean Taylor honoring him has been going on for a long time, and it just feels yeah. like a weird – such a weird move by Dan Snyder. But we're we're not
1: – we're accustomed to that
0: at this yeah. point. That That's really nothing new. So, um, yeah. moving on, we want to get to something that happened actually on the Thanksgiving game. So, the Buffalo Bills came out with a win against the Detroit Lions, actually becoming – the first team since 2016 to win back-to-back games at Ford Field because the Lions haven't done it, um, so that's kind of embarrassing for the Lions, but the bigger storyline coming out of it is Von Miller. Uh, he came out of it with a knee injury. Still some speculation as to what exactly it is. It seems like it's a meniscus. We don't know how long he's going to be out for, but Maddie, how much does this impact the Buffalo Bills, and wh- what does this mean for their Super Bowl chances?
1: You know, I've talked about this a lot because I think this has been a very prominent question. I actually don't know that this affects the Bills as much as what people think, at least going forward. Where we're really going to see the impact is when they play the Chiefs again, when we see that rematch, because that's why they went out and got Vaughn in the first place, is they wanted a pass rush that would be able to stop Patrick Mahomes. That's been their biggest hang-up in trying to make it to the Super Bowl. No. Um So I don't think that we're going to see an immediate change on that. To be honest with you, I think that the biggest impact is going to come from how Josh Allen responds to them resetting their offense, you know, um, and how he comes back from things. But we do have Greg Rousseau's coming back. And then um, I can never say his name. A.J. (laughs) Epsomia. I always mispronounce the name. I even like wrote it out in my notes just to make sure I could say it correctly. I can't. Um, And then, you know, Ed Oliver has kind of stepped into that leadership role and just said, we're going to be fine. So I don't think we're going to see a huge difference until, like I said, they play the Chiefs. Um, But I do think that obviously it is a big loss for the Bills.
0: Yeah, and it's not only the difference of you know not having him. It's they don't know how long they're going to be without him for. Like it, they're yeah. kind of in a wait and see with this injury right now. They basically said Von is going to go the next week to ten days, um, see how he feels, see how it's holding up. Is this going to be something he can play through? It very well maybe. And if it is, how much is it going to hamper his performance? I mean, of course, mm-hmm. I think if you get you know seventy percent of Von Miller, that's still better than not having him out there um, for right. especially. Of
1: the rest of those guys come back healthy.
0: Yeah. For as big of an impact as he makes just for, even from just a leadership perspective. Um, I think they'd love to have him out there, you know, at less than hundred percent if he can play through it. So mm-hmm. we'll just have to wait and see what the universe holds for Von Miller in the next 10 days or so. But I'm sure for Bill's fans, it's gotta be agonizing having to wait and see, because he's, He's probably the heart of their defense. He's their big free agent acquisition. And I mean, he knows what it's like to win a Super Bowl. So
1: absolutely. Um, and it's kind of like one of those entries that it's you're already down. You know, they've they've had not, not the greatest past couple of games, and now you're getting kicked while you're down to right. lose Vaughn.
0: Exactly. So we'll have to see if this is sort of a, you know, you get to rock bottom and then go up from there, or if this is, you know, the beginning of the end for the Bills 2022 Super Bowl chance, at least. I'm not going to be that dramatic about it. I don't think it is. Yeah but it's definitely a bit of a gut punch um, from a Broncos legend to the current Broncos. Again, it's Russell Wilson clip with Mike Purcell was hilarious. Um, I feel like we all kind of were Mike Purcell in that moment. See, yes. Scream at Russell Wilson. We're like, yeah, what is wrong with you? Stop being so bad. Stop being just a soundborn for soundboard for cringe sound bites. It's just been a bad year for the Broncos and Russell Wilson. Um, Maddie, what do you make of that clip and what do you make of just the Broncos now? I feel like we've talked about them several times, but it's just, it hasn't gotten any better since the other times we've talked about this team.
1: I mean, we just, we watched Mike Purcell do it for the rest of us. Everybody was cheering from their living rooms. If you just saw the clip online, you were cheering online. He did it for every fantasy owner of Russ Wilson. He did it for every Broncos fan. Good for Mike Purcell. Um, to be honest with you, I think what this means is it's just a ticking time bomb until Hackett loses the job. Uh we're going to see a new coach in Denver, but to me I just I don't I don't see how you get better from here. Like what's going to change? Really what it's going to take is for Russ to completely come around and I just don't think that they have it in them. There's yeah. something off there.
0: And I think, you know, they've pushed it so far now um you know, the Broncos are 3 and 8. They didn't get rid of Hackett earlier than this, so now it's sort of like almost what's the point of firing Mm -hmm. him before the season ends. It might as well like let him finish out the year, reevaluate after this, because let's be real. What are, what is five weeks of an interim head coach going to do for this team? It's you, you might get a little bit of a morale boost or something, but I feel like this team is too far gone. Having a, having a defensive coordinator or other you know, assistant coach take over the the head coaching gig for the next couple weeks isn't really going to do a lot. So they're kind of just going to suffer with Hackett for the next few weeks, I think, uh, until this season closes out. But I do think it's probably the end of Hackett in Denver. One of the most spectacular head coaching failings I've ever seen in my life. I mean, and I didn't it think it could sad. get worse than Urban Meyer last year. And I'm still... I don't know for sure if it is because Urban was just such a, a off the field problems and general incompetence guy but this yeah. is almost worse like this is just on the field incompetence like this is horrible by every every sense of the word so hack it's probably done
1: ha- yeah hack it hack it is done it's just I haven't seen a team that struggles this badly on third down in so long I mean it's it's I mean it's three and out almost every single drive anyways but They cannot convert on their down literally to save their life. If there were guns to these players' heads, they couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, and you want to talk about, you know, last week we had um, reporters asking Zach Wilson, hey, do you feel like you let the defense down? That has been the Russell Wilson special mm-hmm. all year long because this Broncos defense is good. Actually let up a few more points to the Panthers than I would have expected because there was that whole stat of if the Broncos had just scored 18 points in every game, they would have been like nine and one. Well, they finally allowed 23 points to the Panthers, so they would have lost this game anyway. But yeah, that defense has been overperforming and um, I could see why they'd be you know, upset with Russ and uh, just the general vibe of that team and everything that's transpired this year. So, yeah. speaking of people being upset with Russell Wilson, um, you may remember everyone listening at home this uh, Russell Wilson on the plane storyline, doing the high knees, high knees again. Probably, arguably, a more cringeworthy event for him this year than even the the Broncos country let's ride or, or the Danger Witch commercials. The airplane may have been worse because I think we can all relate to seeing that person on an airplane and how just how annoyed we would be. We had someone else cause problems on an airplane this week. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, was apparently taken off an airplane. This is a really weird story, Maddie. I'll just get right to the cut. Right to the chase. Who's worse to deal with on an airplane now, Russell Wilson or Odell Beckham?
1: So we're still having reports that are coming back about the Odell situation. I don't really know exactly what happened at first. So the official report says that there was a medical emergency. I looked into it, but then reports from the actual plane, from people who were on the plane, the stewardess, all of that that it's kind of leaked out, said that he just refused to put on his seatbelt and then was asked to evacuate or the entire plane was going to have to be declined. And then his lawyer comes out and says, well, he wasn't unresponsive. Like they said, he was in and out of sleep. And I guess when he finally like woke to, they, they, They were like, put on your seatbelt, and he said, Okay, I'll do it. And they said, No, it's too late now. You have to leave, or everybody else has to leave. I don't know what's happening. Either way, like, if you're going to pass out on a plane, I've been there. We've all caught red eyes, right? What do Mm -hmm. you do? You put on your seatbelt first thing so you can go to sleep and nobody's messing with you, right? I, I don't want, I just feel like it for a flight attendant to get to the point where she's asking or he's asking Odell to leave the plane, like, they've asked you multiple times. So I don't know that I really buy that portion of the story. To me, I'm still going to go with I feel like Wilson is worse just because like you're on a long flight and you have somebody just doing just insane things. And it would be different if like he was playing well, but then for him to get off and play the way that he did, it's just like, what was the point? Odell is just kind of like he's that asshole that doesn't know how to fly, apparently.
0: Yeah. To me, one of the big details when determining which of these two is worse uh, to come out from the Odell story was the flight ended up taking off two hours later. Than originally scheduled.
1: Oh, see, I didn't see that. I thought yeah. this was like a quick thing. Okay, no, th-
0: this turned into a two-hour delay. I believe the plane was at least uh taxiing or about to be taxiing when the Odell or Od- Odell ordeal started. No pun Ugh. intended. That was awful. Um, but yeah, I guess it's a matter of what would you rather deal with as a passenger? You know, your flight takes off, it gets to where it's going, no problem, but you have some moron uh, no doing high knees him. in the aisleway, or mm. You have a flight that is painless once it's in the air, but gets delayed for two hours. Um, I'm with you. You make know. a fair point. Yeah. I, I do think that, you know, Odell has to be at fault here a little bit. I mean, this doesn't just happen. I, I don't think, no. like you said, put your seatbelt on at first and mm-hmm. then you don't have to worry about anything after the fact. Um, I feel like the story ultimately falls somewhere in the middle where maybe the flight attendants did overreact a little bit and it didn't need to get to that point, but also, Odella, I don't think is uh, completely innocent in this situation either. So, final verdict: worst person to have on the plane. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Me. I'm gonna go with Russell Wilson. I can't. I can't do the high knees. I
1: we just swapped. You just. You should be an attorney. You <laughs> flopped me.
0: I. I got <laughs> so go it's a fifty fifty. I'd want to knock him out. I'd want to just get up and just clothesline him in the middle of the highway. Like there's just because
1: you <laughs> know him. So I feel like when you know somebody, they get on your nerves more than somebody. I just kind of feel like if I was on that plane, I'd be like, "Wow, like this is something to tweet about." Like, I like I got to experience this. It's Odell. It's like normal people, right? You're yeah. in a, on an American airline flight. I just feel like when you're on that long of a plane ride, that's really annoying. But you already swayed me, so you're going Wilson. I'm going Odell.
0: Yeah, the two hour the two hour delay is definitely annoying. But coming from somebody mm-hmm. who just recently had to sit in an airport for seven hours <laughs> and get their flight canceled, I'm like, well, doesn't sound so bad. If you were trying to make a connection, then probably it's even worse because then you're yeah. getting your you know, all your travel plans messed up, but I'm going to go with Russell Wilson on this one. Either way, I, I don't know why I'm fidgeting with this. It was sitting next to me, but uh, they're both, they're both clowns. So <laughs> take that. I actually have green hair next to me too, but I'm not going to mess with that.
1: Right it turned into Marcus Smart now.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, all right, let's keep with the Broncos theme. Why, why not just keep piling on the Broncos? So mm-hmm. I saw, I came across sort of a parallel with these two teams, Um, you know, both giving up a ton of picks for a quarterback, And now, this upcoming draft, neither one will have their first-round pick. Um, The Rams at least got a Super Bowl out of this last year. The Broncos, I, I don't even know what to say. But, Maddie, do you think one of these teams is more screwed than the other as far as their future is concerned? Look ahead for the next, I don't know, two or three years because both of these rosters are still built to compete in general. They just need to iron some things out, whether it's coaching or whatever it may be. So which of these two teams do you think is in worse shape right now, the Broncos or the Rams?
1: I think that the Broncos are in worse shape because they don't know what's going on. We know that they're about to lose a head coach. They way overpaid for a quarterback who's in just underperforming, to say the least. The Rams have just struck a bad court of bad luck, right? It's just everybody's injured. I mean, I thought McVay was going to be on the injury report after he got just like Clash. Don't shook. That was rough. That yeah. that was bad. Um, but no, I mean they they have a ton of injuries that have hit this team. McBay is still incredible at what he does. I believe that that coach is gonna. They have something to build around at least, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have the foundation. They are just gonna have to do some work to get back to where they were. Obviously, like the offensive line needs help. They everybody needs to get healthy. Um, but no, the Broncos. I just don't. I don't really see anything any good that they can really build upon like the Rams have
0: yeah it is funny with the broncos because so obviously the trade with the seahawks so the seahawks have their first round pick um the seahawks are going to end up with the two picks in the ranges that i thought they would end up with right but reversed i thought that the broncos pick that they would get would end up being sort of a a late first because the broncos would have a good year and that the seahawks own pick would be higher up because the seahawks led by Geno Smith, or in, in the time of the offseason, we didn't know if it'd be Geno or Drew Locke or what it would be. Mm-hmm. I thought the Seahawks would be one of the most uncompetitive teams in the NFL this year. Saturday. Man, how wrong I was. And now they're going to sit here with the Broncos pick that is going to end up being somewhere in the top 10, possibly higher. Um, but their own pick is going to be you know in the teens or 20s, or I mean, if they make the playoffs, it'll be around the 20s. So they're going to end up with the picks I thought they would get, just reverse. Um, I agree with you. I think the Broncos are more screwed just because they are under the massive weight of this Russell Wilson contract. And if he doesn't figure it out to some extent over the next couple of years, I mean, his, the dead cap on that contract, they cannot do anything. With they
1: can't him. do anything. They're tied the only, down.
0: The only out that they have, after maybe next year is if they can get some other poor desperate team that thinks they all oh, things I can fix him to like pay half of his contract or so. Mm. Um, but either way, the Broncos are going to be paying a lot of money for either bad or no production to Russell Wilson. If he doesn't figure it out the Rams though, I just wanted to bring it up with the Rams because so the lions have their pick um, and that pick is going to end up being a lot better than we thought. The lions if they would stop winning so many damn games they could have two top 10 picks but their record is gonna get them into you know the teens or so with the Rams pick maybe top 10 um the Rams are just you had the whole F them picks strategy yeah. and man it's biting them way faster than I thought it would like I yeah. you know they won the Super Bowl so ultimately they probably don't care that much but I figured that that strategy would uh you know come back and bite them maybe a couple years from now where it's like okay they didn't have their 2023 first round pick and, but, you know, it doesn't matter for the 2023 season or the 2024 season. You might look back later and be like, oh, it would be nice to have that young ascending player. But I did not think they'd be sitting here with such a terrible record. What are they? Are they at uh, three and eight? I think it was. Yeah, three and eight last place in the NFC West. So the Rams are struggling. But um at the very least with the Rams, when it comes to a potential rebuild, let's say worst case scenario. This is the end for the Rams as we know them, like the, the core players of this team they can at least trade away guys to get some first round picks back going forward. Like they right. can trade away Cooper cup. Who's not the youngest receiver. I mean, I don't think they'll do it like this off or anything, but if they get that desperate, they can trade away Cooper cup and probably get a first and a second. Like the, like the uh, Packers did for Devonte Adams. They can trade away. I don't want to say Aaron Donald, but I mean, they could do it. You know, they have assets at the very least. Um, right. The Broncos have some assets too that aren't Russell Wilson, but not to the point that the Rams do. So I think the Rams are a little bit less screwed, still more screwed than I would have thought they'd be coming into the year, though. It's definitely been. This season,
1: 100% both of these teams are screwed. Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, they lost Allen Robinson for the year. Obviously wasn't. Anyway, but it's kind of just the straw that broke the camel's back. It's Mm -hmm. like, all right, we lose Cooper cup. Hey, let's see what we can get out of Allen Robinson. Hey, how about you don't, you just have to deal with Ben Skoranek now. And, uh, 2-2 Atwell or whoever they're going to be throwing out there now to end the season, all with Bryce Perkins at quarterback. So
1: And your head coach is probably in concussion
0: protocol. Your, your head yeah. coach is, is in the blue tent waiting to come out. So yeah. it's tough for the Rams, um, but I think they'll be okay in the next two to three years, even if this year is massively disappointing considering what they thought coming in. Um, another team that's been a little disappointing lately is the the Ravens. So Lamar Jackson mm. lashing out on Twitter with this, Ridiculous tweet now deleted. Um, mm-hmm. very vulgar tweet. We actually pulled it up on the screen for those of you watching on YouTube, but I will read the somewhat clean version for our, our younger viewers at home. Uh boy STFU, y'all be capping too much on this app. Never smelt a football field, never did anything but eat you know, phallic <laughs> phallic object. Use your
1: imagination.
0: Um, man, Lamar <laughs> was angry. So that that tweet was in response to somebody saying basically that uh, the Ravens need to let Lamar go because they need to build a more well-rounded roster because games like this should not be coming down to a 67-yard field goal attempt from Justin Tucker, which, by the way, is hilarious that the opposing team even needs to sweat that out because they did. They well, what's crazy nervous.
1: is I saw people all on Twitter that were just like, like everybody expected him to make it like at, at what point have we, have we like reached that? We we're all like disappointed that somebody missed a 67 yard field goal attempt. Like
0: yeah, it, it's almost it's like wild if, if they, to me. if they send him out there, it's like, Oh, if they have enough confidence that he's going to make it, it's like, okay. Every time I've seen Justin Tucker kick a field goal, like it's gone in outside of these very, right. very rare times. So I believe he has the record at 66. So it wasn't mm-hmm. out of the question. Um, but again, I don't think the original tweeter here is necessarily wrong. I don't think the Ravens should let Lamar go, but these games, you should not have a game against the Jaguars that is coming down to a 67-yard field goal attempt and then losing to the Jaguars. Like, this is bad. Mm-hmm. This is really bad and we've we've talked about it at length about the Ravens shortcomings about not having weapons, o-line issues, I mean even their running backs have been hurt basically all year. Uh, Mark Andrews has been hurt for a stretch of the year. So, it's been tough for the Ravens, but I don't, I don't know. Where do you think the Ravens go from here? Like what, what, what is next? They extend Lamar and then get him weapons. Is it that simple or or are they beyond that point?
1: I mean, I do think that we have to remember the Ravens do have weapons. They're all of them are out with injuries. I mean, the majority of their weapons are injured at this moment. I think that where you start is you have to do something different on the offensive line. I think some of that frustration that we're seeing from Lamar though, we don't encourage it, support it. I don't think it's correct. I think that you hold that stuff in or let Mm. your teammates here in the locker room, whatever, it doesn't need to hit social media. But at the same time, like I can understand this frustration because people who aren't uh, watching the game at an intricate level, who don't understand how things all have to kind of mesh to make things work. We're watching Lamar scramble for his life and basically the Ravens have just like, put it all on him. Like if what we're giving you isn't there, just make something happen. Well, they're not giving him anything. So he's on a make it happen every snap. And I think that because he's as great as he is, he is disguising a lot of the issues that that offensive line has. But like, I I mean, people were asking me for fantasy advice this week and they were asking about Ravens players. And I was like, listen, I want to do it because we're going to see the Ravens struggle without Ronnie Stanley. Like just having that one piece gone makes a huge difference. So for me, something that they have to focus on is the offensive line. And I think secondary to that is what are you doing defensively? Because some changes need to happen. I think that they're now seeing like, I think without Wink there, they're having to redefine what their identity is and they're having issues with that. So I think that possibly you look at making a change at defensive coordinator or you figure out what's going on there. But offensive line and then trying to figure out what their identity is on the defensive side of the ball have to be priorities going into next season. But I think as far as what you're seeing now, I think this is what we're going to get from the Ravens the rest of the year,
0: Yeah, which I is mean- unfortunate. We've seen their offense be not nearly as dynamic as we're used to but I think you just want to see Lamar be a little bit more composed in these situations as far as his conduct like on Twitter and stuff like that because that that's really bad like we we all know that you guys are disappointed lost to the Jaguars it is embarrassing to an extent um but the Ravens are 7 and 4 they are still at the top of their division they're still going to make the playoffs probably um and you look at their upcoming schedule I mean Broncos Steelers Browns Falcons Steelers Bengals the only thing you have anywhere in there is some relatively tough defenses the only offense that scares you is the Bengals at the very end of the year maybe the Browns if Deshaun Watson comes back and looks like his old self but otherwise it's like the Ravens could go undefeated to close out the year and I don't really think anybody would bat an eye like it wouldn't be shocking based on that schedule and then they're sitting here at 13 and 4 or you know, conservatively twelve and five, or may I, I'll call it worst case scenario, eleven and six, and they're just fine. So I just right. think Lamar needs to do a better job of not feeding these trolls because it's just it doesn't help anybody. I mean, no. it just it's a bad look, and it's going to make people you know be on that dude's side. The attention that he gave that tweet of that dude saying they should get rid of Lamar and you know get a more well-rounded roster. Nobody's going to see that if Lamar doesn't respond to it, or at least it's not uh-huh. going to get nearly as much traction. So I don't know. I think Lamar just needs to maybe stay off the social media for a little bit, at least after bad games like that. Because
1: Give I yourself a he break. Did, yeah.
0: He tweeted that like right after the game ended. Like it was yeah. not long after. So it's like he's going right on Twitter, searching his name or searching <clears throat> Ravens or searching in this just pil- pile of just shit of people mm-hmm. criticizing his team. Cause you can find that if you're looking for it and engaging with it. And I just don't think that helps anybody. Um, so Lamar, maybe just, you know, go, go to the spa or something after the, after a bad game, like go for a walk. Exactly. Go do something else. Cause that, that, that's just not constructive. It's not helping
1: anybody. Yeah. Do not disturb is a fantastic tool.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we brought up Zach Wilson a little bit earlier. Um, mm-hmm. One of the bigger storylines of last week, again, was Zach Wilson saying he didn't feel like he let his defense down, and ultimately that led to Zach Wilson being benched for Mike White this week. The storyline with him being benched, at least coming from head coach Robert Sala, was it was a reset for Zach Wilson. Well, Mike White played great, led the Jets to a big win over the Bears, who, in fairness, yes, had to start Trevor Simeon. We all know that. But Mike White looked really good again, which he has in stretches over the course of his career so far. Is this the end for Zach Wilson in New York?
1: I don't think it is. I think this was uh, a, I'm going to make an example out of you. We don't behave like this type of situation. I mean, I will say, I think it was a bit excessive to see him like in normal clothes on the sidelines. The, the picture, the popular picture that was all around Twitter and everything else, where he just looked like somebody pissed in his Cheerios. Mm-hmm. That was tough to see. Um, But it it was a lesson he had to learn, right? you, he was acting the way that we see Aaron Rodgers act without earning that, that uh, entitlement, I guess mm-hmm. we should say. Um, what was interesting to me was to see the support of his teammates around Mike White. Because after the, after the game, everybody was like, Mike, Mike White this, Mike White that. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, the locker room obviously wants us to be Mike White's team. So where, where do they go from here? Um, I I think they've invested so much in Zach that we're going to see a little bit more from him. Um, but it is interesting to kind of see. We obviously know where the locker room stands. So I do think that they might give Mike White another shot maybe this upcoming week. But then it's also hard to say because Mike White is either decently good or really, really, really bad. Mm. Like what we saw at the end of the season last year.
0: All right. Here's my take on the situation. I think it's the end for Zach Wilson. In wow. New York.
1: Gold take.
0: I think it's the end for Zach Wilson in New York. Um, mm. I don't see how, at the very least, like you said, this week they go back to Zach Wilson. I think you got to give Mike White another week. Mm-hmm. And I just think Mike White, the worst case scenario for how he can play, is almost the best that they've gotten out of Zach Wilson this year. Like, that's true. Mike White, if he plays badly, it's not going to be anything new for the Jets. But you look at how he played. He allowed Garrett Wilson to be sort of the star receiver that they've been looking for him to be. He revived Elijah Moore. That dude came out of witness protection this week. I mean, at that point, like it's what can't he do? So Mike White, he gave this team a much needed jolt. I think it's the end for Zach Wilson in New York. I don't know where he ends up. I don't know if he ends up the backup on the jets. I'm looking ahead to next season now. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's Mike White in New York either. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that next year, The Jets starting quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it makes too much sense. They have Robert Sala, the 49ers old defensive coordinator as their head coach. They Mm -hmm. have the cap space to sign him. Jimmy's not going to break the bank. I don't think he's going to cost like a decent amount. I mean, he's playing well and he's obviously going to help this team, but that's what the Jets need. This roster is built to win outside of the quarterback. The defense Mm -hmm. is playing great. They have these young offensive weapons. They'll get Brees Hall back at some point next year. Um, and I think Jimmy G just makes too much sense. So I'm going to make that call. I think Jimmy G to the Jets happens next year, whether Zach Wilson is a backup or if he gets shipped off for a couple of picks to somebody, again, who wants to try and I can fix him type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but I don't think we see Zach Wilson as a consistent long-term starter for the New York Jets again.
1: I I do I do think that there's a chance that there could be some changes next year. I don't know that they go to Jimmy G just because we know that Jimmy G does have his faults. And to be successful with this offense, whoever is at quarterback is going to have to get the ball out quick. Like two seconds or under. Like Jimmy G, I don't know that he has the capability to be able to do that. He could. I also think that it would take a lot to get I don't know. I, just I don't think, know about that. But I I do like where your head's at on
0: that. Yeah, I think if they if if the Jets just waste this young core that they have trying to figure out who their quarterback is going to be and you know continuing to throw years away with a guy like Zach Wilson or god forbid a guy like might say they name Mike White the starter next year. I mean, I like the guy, but I don't I don't know about all that. Um yeah. I think if you go with a guy like Jimmy G and I've hated on Jimmy G for a while and said, I don't think he's a lead. I don't think he's a top 10 guy, but I think he's enough to get this team over the hump and sort of lead it to be a 49ers of the East type of situation. I mean, yeah. they're built the same way. Obviously they don't have as dynamic of playmakers. There's no McCaffrey. There's no Debo. There's no George Kittle, but I mean, Garrett Wilson's no slouch. Bryce Hall is no slouch. Elijah Moore is still there for now yeah. um, and playing well again, it seems so. I could see it happening. Um, the Jets got to do something at quarterback, though. Even if it's not Jimmy G, I, I don't agree. think it's Zach. I don't think it's Mike. And they're not going to have a high enough draft pick because of their hot start to go get one of the elite guys of this class. So I have to I wait would, and see on the Jets.
1: I do have to say, um, for anybody who saw the Elijah Moore clip, because everybody after the Thursday night game was like, I just want somebody to hold me the way that Josh Allen holds digs. And for me, like my relationship goals, I want somebody to talk about me the way that Elijah Moore talked about that football that he was like talking sweet to. That's all I want out of life.
0: Elijah Moore, you can never say that he doesn't love the game. I mean, (laughs) to to a point where it's almost concerning. So, hey, I'm glad Elijah Moore has, again, come out of witness protection thanks to Mike White or the coaching staff or a combination of the two. um, Too electric of a playmaker to just be sitting on the bench and never getting targeted. So, all right. Agreed. Called Jimmy G to the Jets. Speaking of potential moves this upcoming offseason, mm-hmm. Josh Jacobs just torched the Seattle Seahawks. Over 300 all-purpose yards in that game, including I believe it was an 86 or 84-yard game-winning touchdown in overtime. Um I did not see this coming from Josh Jacobs this year. I did not. I mean, he's in a contract year, but – yeah he's one of those guys that like in fantasy football every year I look at his name on a draft board and I'm just like, I'm all set. Like (laughs) I'm good. Like I, he's too high of a pick. He's not going to be an elite RB one for me. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to pay up for what I think will be like a mid-level RB two type of guy. I'm good. I I was wrong. Apparently. I think he's like a top three fantasy running back now after that performance. So Mm -hmm. Josh Jacobs torches the Seahawks continues a career season where does he end up next year? Because this is a contract year. Do you think he ends up back in Vegas?
1: I think that I think Vegas is going to have to figure out what they're going to do. It's hard to picture what they're going to do when you don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to keep the coach that's there? Are they going to make changes at any level? You don't know. So I don't really know what Vegas is going to do. Obviously, we know that they're happy with the way he's performed, um, but they didn't take him up on the option. So do they franchise tag him or are they going? give him a contract. I don't know. They would be smart to keep him, in my opinion. Um, But if that doesn't happen, I could absolutely see him with the Baltimore Ravens solely because what we're seeing right now is they're kind of letting the flap open and just kind of giving him the ball and saying, do what you do, make something happen. Um, And that's exactly the way that the Ravens designed runs play out. Right. So what the Ravens do is they get the ball into the hands of somebody who can run and they say, make good decisions and they don't try to get too crazy with it. It's not super formal schematic runs. And so I think that he would be super successful there. Um, But I definitely see that as being a home.
0: Yeah. I mean, I could see that as well. Um, You look at the Ravens cap space next year. This is kind of what I was looking at for looking for fits for Josh Jacobs outside of Las Vegas. Um, team cap space for next year, the Ravens currently have $38 million in cap space. And if they're going to re-sign Lamar, um, most of that's going to get allocated to him, probably all of it, if we're being realistic. So they'd have to move some things around. Um, but no, I, I like that fit a lot. I think we don't know if J.K. Dobbins is unfortunately ever going to get healthy enough to the point where he's the guy that we saw at Ohio State. Uh, Gus Edwards is always fighting injuries himself. And then beyond that, their depth is non-existent. So an elite right. back like Josh Jacobs that they can rely on would definitely do wonders for them. The and other, it would help
1: protect Lamar a little bit.
0: For sure. The other spot that I looked at, really one of the only ones that made sense for teams that had cap space, was the Atlanta Falcons. So mm-hmm. Cordero Patterson is their quote-unquote feature back, even though the touches the last few weeks have been a little confusing. Um, he's only getting paid about $5 million a year. And the Falcons have $66 million of cap space heading into next year. They are not on the hook for having to pay a quarterback coming up. I mean, they are not going to be signing Marcus Mariota to some big extension. They're not going to be signing Desmond Ritter to some big extension. So I don't think we have to worry about that. Um, They just seem to have cap space. And that's a position that I could see them maybe looking at and being like, hey, we can enhance our team with this. Why not go do it? Um, the other teams with like higher cap space, the bears have a ton, but I feel like their running back situation is they're in pretty good shape with Montgomery and right. Herbert. They um, have other needs. The giants have plenty of cap space, but if anything, they're just going to re-sign Saquon. They're not going to mm-hmm. replace Saquon with Josh Jacobs. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, Patriots aren't going to pay for a running back. The Seahawks have Kenneth Walker. The Bengals have Joe Mixon, the Texans. Maybe, I mean, we like Damian Pierce, but that's the situation. I wouldn't be shocked to see it turn into a two headed sort of thing. And no, I, think, their- they- I think the Falcons make sense.
1: Yeah, I agree with that 100. I I think that that's a a great guess. We'll yeah. say. And
0: hopefully they can again. You know, for all of my 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 Kyle Pitts listeners, those that tune in strictly for the Kyle Pitts content, uh, <laughs> hopefully they can get a quarterback that can enhance both Pitts and any other offensive weapon they may bring into the fold. Because it, hey, if we go in the next year and it's it's the Marcus Mariota show again, and they bring in Josh Jacobs, I'm not sure how much that's really going to change things, but uh, who knows? So who knows? a big theme of this past week was backup quarterbacks. So Maddie came up with this idea. We like to do these drafts every week. We decided to do a backup quarterback draft. This past week, we saw Mike White. We saw Trevor Simeon. We saw Kyle Allen. We saw some action for Jordan Love. I know I'm missing, guys. This is just off the top of my head. Uh, but we saw a bunch of backup quarterbacks get some shine this week. We wanted to see who can compile the best list of five backup quarterbacks or the draft of them. So we're going to go back and forth like we always do. And you guys mm-hmm. will decide whose list of backup quarterbacks is the best. Now, we may have to define here what a That's backup. What I was to say, I feel
1: is. like we should do that. I think that it should be who we thought was starting from the beginning of the year. Because I like. Do we include Geno Smith? That was one of my big questions.
0: Yeah, I, I would say and, no, no on Geno Smith because he wasn't even a guy that was like a definite backup coming into the year. He was just in a firm competition with Drew Locke. I mean, okay. I'm looking at I'm looking at definitely. Like, Brissette? And I'm
1: like
0: Brissette. Technically, so,
1: he's gonna be a backup when you so Brissett's a sneaky
0: one. I think a yeah. totally fair game in this. Okay, like, I
1: agree.
0: He's, he's gonna be a backup now going forward and a probably a damn good one at that. So, but you look at guys like Trevor Simeon. Firm backup. I mean, even if he mm-hmm. starts again for Justin Fields, like we know that Trevor Simeon's a backup level guy. I think Jordan Love still a firm backup. Even if today the Packers come out and say he's starting the rest of the year, for now he's still considered a backup. So, yeah. listen, I'm ready to throw the flag if if Maddie gives me anybody that I don't think is a real backup quarterback. Same. I'm not ashamed. So, call will, your own
1: fouls. Yeah, call we will consider flags. it as
0: we go. Um, so, let's get into who has the first pick. Who did first for Thanksgiving draft? Was it you? I forgot. I think you had the first pick because I picked. Did you take mashed potatoes off the board last week with the first pick?
1: Yeah, but I thought you went mac and cheese first pick.
0: I may have gone mac and cheese first pick. I don't remember now.
1: I can't remember either.
0: Huh. All right, should we flip a coin? Uh, I don't have a coin. I'll, oh, you could take the first pick. Take the Thomas. says,
1: are you sure? Oh, you, you take the first pick. yeah. Okay, okay. I'll go first. <laughs> um, I'm going to take Jimmy G. Technically, he's still a backup because starting i think if you want to throw a flag on it i can do another one i want
0: to hear the explanation first
1: well because technically it was trey lance's team coming in it's just trey lance got hurt so for me jimmy g was considered a backup um even though he held the position before what do you think
0: i'll allow it i'll allow it i mean jimmy is so out of my head as being a backup that it didn't even register but I don't think you're wrong necessarily. Coming into the year, we were calling him the most overqualified backup quarterback in the entire league. So right. I'll allow it, um, but we'll let the viewers decide if your list is uh, if your list is tainted, it disqualified, by, or if not. your list is tainted by a guy who started like 11 games this year. But that's <laughs> yeah, that's fine. He's like a game it.
1: managing quarterback. We know what he can do. Now that CMC's there, it's just like we don't need him to do anything special. So Jimmy G, my first pick.
0: All right. Jimmy G is a good first pick. Um, I mean, listen, backup quarterback is one of the most valuable positions you can have on your league to have a guy that can come in and not throw things away and can win games for you. Um, With that said, I'm between a couple guys here. I really want to go the Jacoby Brissett route. I do. I'm going to pick Cooper Rush because I think Cooper Rush is kind of being forgot about because of just how much the season is chaotic and, we have such short memories as things go along, but Cooper Rush really kept this team alive. I mean, he led the team. I believe it was a three in one record or so as he was starting only one loss. I know that much after that opening mm-hmm. game loss to the Buccaneers where Dak Prescott got hurt. Um, there was plenty of discussion. Is Cooper Rush better than Dak Prescott? The answer is no, but regardless, the fact that he created that discussion says everything I need to know about him. He is one of the he needs to be getting a lot of credit for where the Cowboys are at this season. They're 8-3. Yeah. and three. They could easily be the reverse of that if Cooper Rush was was bad and was like a quarterback the level of um, Nathan Peterman, who we were afraid was potentially going to start this week. Thank God that didn't happen. So Cooper Rush, I'm going with you. You are probably the most brand-name backup, or at least you were a month ago. So I'm going to go with him.
1: Okay. I think that I have to take Jacoby Brissett then. I think that he has done a phenomenal job with an offense that has no identity. Um, They are basically waiting for Deshaun to come in and take over and hopefully just do Deshaun things, I think is what the Browns are banking on. Because what I saw was absolutely no identity, which is the same as what we've seen last year, the year before, and the year after that. If they're not running the ball, who are the Browns, right? Um, So I think that he's done an amazing job of – managing that offense and um yeah i think i think preset can honestly be a good player in almost any offensive scheme like anyway across any team i think that he could walk in and be able to fulfill a backup role so 100 i'll go reset with my second pick
0: he can can definitely at least hold it down um this draft is super interesting because it's not like there's obvious picks ever in my opinion i'm just looking up and down the depth charts right now like which of these guys do I trust the most if my starter goes down? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go not off the beaten path here, but a little bit, maybe an unexpected pick. I'm gonna go with Case Keenum. So Case Keenum, we've okay. seen be a successful starter in this league. Um, we saw him spearhead the Minneapolis miracle, the Stefan Diggs. Now he's back on a team with Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. So should anything happen to Josh Allen, he's there. I just I trust him to be to hold down the fort if anything happens to Josh Allen. I think, I think he keeps them as still a reasonable Super Bowl contender, even if Josh Allen were, God forbid, done for the year tomorrow. Um, So Case Keenum, just that trust factor. He's shown it. He's a veteran. I like him.
1: Okay. I'm kind of going off the beaten path, too. I think that some people will probably forget about this player but I'm gonna go with Tyler Huntley we watched him come in last year and he stepped in and fulfilled Lamar Jackson's shoes like nobody expected that right we all kind of just expected the Ravens to go kerplunk but he walked in was able to game manage he made some incredible plays he's a very mobile quarterback um so Tyler Huntley gets my third pick
0: all right yeah I definitely did forget about him I mean he's one of those guys that is perfectly schemed to be the Ravens backup, right? Like it's just it's just diet Lamar, less experienced Lamar. Like they're really yeah. good at getting guys that don't require them to change their offense at all if he comes in. Um, you're just Perfect get fit. a little bit less explosive version of it. So I like that pick. Um, let's see. All right. Not going to go with anybody young because as much as these rookie quarterbacks are exciting, like Malik Willis and all them, like they are not a guy that I'm going to trust right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I'll go with Jordan Love. I'll go with Jordan Love. He's a guy that I think is sort of the right combination of young and has that potential. Mm -hmm. And at least we saw against the Eagles can maybe come in and and again, hold down the fort if anything were to happen to Rodgers, if this team were competitive. I mean, it doesn't really matter now whether what fort he's holding down the fort has already collapsed. But um, Jordan Love is a guy that I think probably has the most upside of anybody in this sort of consideration that we have because... Like we know, we know what Case Keenum is. We know what Cooper Rush is. We know mm-hmm. even what Jimmy G and Jacoby Brissett are. I don't think we think there's superstar potential for any of those guys. Right. Um, so I'm going to go with Jordan Love for the fact that he has that nice mix of, he might be able to come in and, and, you know, do some good work for you, but he he may also be elite if things break the right way.
1: Yeah, I've given the chance. Um, I'm going with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think that where he's at now, it's a perfect role. Would I ever want him to be a long-term starter? Absolutely not. But I do think that he's able to step in and game manage. He's able to, he doesn't do anything flashy. He's not going to do anything to win you a game per se, but he is able to go out there and not make stupid mistakes and to be able to let the people around him do what they do to win a game.
0: I like it. All right, you know what I'm going to go with here? I'm going to go with somebody that I think we may have forgotten about just a little bit On this, in the same vein as your Jimmy G pick. I'm going to go with Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke has been a dog. For I forgot right. about. Heineke. I forgot about it too because I'm looking. So I have the the our lads like NFL QB depth chart thing brought up. So I'm looking almost exclusively at the second column just to remind myself of all the backup quarterbacks. And I occasionally look over at the left to see if a guy rings a bell like that. I mean, Mike White's listed as the starter here too, but I think again we agreed he's still considered a backup more or less. Um, right. But Taylor Heineke definitely is a backup Mm. i mean he's done this a few times and we still don't know what's going to happen with carson wentz going forward i think heineke probably should start the rest of the year with how well they've been playing but he's a guy that man he came in and has revived the commander so i think i just got great value here in the fourth round with taylor heineke but hey story of taylor heineke's career right constantly overlooked he's even overlooked in the backup quarterback draft but at least at least i got him on a squad
1: i'm happy you got him on the squad For my fifth pick, I'll go with Mike White. I don't have a ton of faith in him, but he he does his thing every now and then. Um, So we'll go with Mike White.
0: Okay. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it says a lot that I was actually concerned about him taking Zach Wilson's job just because of (laughs) when I heard that he was named the starter, I was like, oh, he's going to do the Mike White thing again, isn't he? Where he's just really good for no reason. And even if he's not good long-term, he'll be good enough this year to displace Zach Wilson, a.k.a. Emperor Palpatine or whatever. Doesn't you know? it, yeah. could, no, it, it
1: doesn't take much. Yeah, no, it doesn't take much. your team's fighting for a first down, you can't even get two yards. Like, No,
0: uh, Maddie, I think you could just Zach Wilson as the Jet starter if you, if you really hunk honestly, it down and try so. to do it. So, all right, fifth pick, Mr. Irrelevant of the Backup Quarterback draft. Um, I like to do this every time we do these drafts and just kind of go over the guys that are still available in general, just so you guys don't think we completely forgot of the, these guys. So, I mean, Bailey Zappi is an interesting consideration. Okay. Um, Joe Flacco, even another Jet, had a great start to the year. He's Super not a bad pick either. Um, looking up and down, Sam Ellinger, no thank you. Uh, <laughs> Brett, Brett Rippon, no thank you. Um, let's see what else we got here. Terod Taylor, reasonable. Yeah. Gardner Minshew, maybe reasonable. He's got a bit of a cult following. I think that's more for the mullet than anything else. <laughs> um, My last pick is going to be... Jameis Winston.
1: Oh, that's a uh, good pick, though. Yeah, I, like I, that. Think,
0: I think Jameis Winston got a bad rap. uh He did come out and say, you know, it's always been the protocol that you don't lose your job due to injury. I'll be honest, Jameis, I don't know if he was referring to the Saints specific protocol, but that's just never been a thing. um Guys <laughs> lose their jobs because they get hurt all the time. I mean, that's literally the crux of Tom Brady's entire career. But that's just not a thing. I do think he got a bad rap. I hope we yeah. see him start somewhere else. And honestly, I hope the Saints turn to him soon. Andy Dalton is not that guy, and the Saints are are just And humbling. he's never
1: going to be that guy. Like People keep trying no. to make it happen. Stop trying to make Andy Dalton happen. It's not going to happen.
0: Andy Dalton is the low upside quarterback, and at this point in the Saints season, you need the high upside quarterback. We all know what Jameis Winston is. We've said it a million times. He's the guy that might throw you four touchdowns and four interceptions in the same game. The final score is going to be 35 to 32 every time. At least he can make some plays for you and win you some games that maybe you shouldn't win. May also lose you some games that you shouldn't lose, but man, Andy Dalton is just as vanilla and boring as they get. (laughs) I'll take Jameis Winston and hope that he becomes a starter before this year is said and done. So there's our five. I've got Cooper Rush, Case Keenum, Jordan Love, Taylor Heineke, Jameis Winston. Maddie, you've got Jimmy G, Jacoby Brissett, Tyler Huntley. I missed your fourth. Oh, Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater. And then Mike White. So, guys, we will get this up in a again our normal little graphic for you, just to see which of our five backup quarterbacks you guys think is the best. And tell me if you're throwing a flag on on Maddie's Jimmy G pick, and if it's uh if it's more egregious than my Taylor Heineke pick. Hey, maybe we're both maybe we're both uh, wrong here for picking these guys, but I think we got a good list going. And that was um, kind
1: of fun. I yeah, like- I
0: think that that one's fine because that, that one that's an obscure draft, right? Like that's right. a weird one. So, um, kind of makes you think and think of who's even eligible to be picked and that sort of thing. So, yeah, all right, we'll move on to our weekly game picks. My weekly game picks. Uh, I'll be honest, it wasn't a great week. Look, we we got we got a little too. I got on our high horse last week. Uh, did well, but this week, my three picks were the Giants plus eight away at the Cowboys. That push, they lost by exactly eight points. Um, the Seahawks minus four at home versus the Raiders. Thank you, Josh Jacobs. Very rude of you. And then the bucks minus three against the Browns Browns won in overtime. Mm -hmm. Not great. Uh, the Brady revenge divorce revenge tour is not going the way that I thought it would. So he just lost to the Browns. Um, so it wasn't great, but I'm not a quitter. We're going to make picks again. And I feel a little better about these. I don't know. Last week, it felt like I was kind of grasping at straws a little bit to find three picks. I like These I feel a little better about. So my first one I'm going to go with the Dolphins plus three and a half away at the 49ers. This game just screams like it's going to be a three-point or less game. you got Mike McDaniel going to play his Mm -hmm. old team in San Francisco. You know he knows them like the back of his hand. He's got so much explosive firepower on offense. I just feel like they will keep this close even in an away game.
1: I agree. I do think that this is going to be a high-point game.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the 49ers defense is just coming off of, I believe they shut out the Saints. But listen, the Dolphins are not the Saints. So I don't expect that to happen again. Um, My next pick, I'm going to go with the Texans plus seven at home versus the Browns. This is strictly off of the storyline of the game. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson is coming to Houston you know, the Texans are going to get up for this one. Like, you know, the coaches are going to get them ready to at the very least be fired up for this one. It's not going to be another apathetic game for a team that has one win this year. I -hmm. think they will keep it closer than seven points strictly off of that. And we don't know what Deshaun Watson is going to look like. This is his first game in like two years. Yeah. I was going to
1: say, we haven't seen him in two years. Um, He was just able to start practicing. It was it two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I, that's a that's a lot for a team to kind of get used to a quarterback in such a short amount of time. I know that they kind of had offseason, but there's already there's already a little bit of a, diva, a divide there just because of everything, all the off field drama, right, going into it. Mm-hmm. So I think that you're dead on, and I think that I think that Houston's going to want to come out and make a point because everybody's eyes are going to be on this game. We all want to know what Deshaun Watson's going to look like, right? So everybody's going to be tuning in. This is every individual Houston Texans point to be or game to be able to make a point
0: on yeah this is this will be the one that they're fighting for you know a little bit of pride that Deshaun the whole saga with him is the reason that the Texans have the record that they have right now right if, right. Deshaun, if Deshaun behaved himself and was still a Houston Texan they would not be sitting here with one victory 13 weeks into the season so I think they'll get up for this one and keep it closer than seven points um and then my final pick Chargers minus two at the Raiders I like again I've liked the Chargers maybe I'm brainwashed because their record is not what I thought it would be coming into the year but I think uh, the Raiders are riding a bit of a high. They've won two in a row now. And I just think it's time to come back down to earth for Vegas a little bit. The Chargers are the better team. They have the better record. I don't care that it's an away game. All they got to do is win by a field goal to cover this one. I just, this is probably the pick I feel the best about this week, honestly.
1: I, you know what? I kind of, I agree with you. I do. Um, they're towards the bottom of pass rush One way I ran weight. Way- win rate I cannot talk goodness gracious I don't think that the Raiders are going to be able to target the Chargers weak points and I think that the Chargers are just going to blow right through them
0: yeah I just think that the Raiders do not have it in them to win three games in a row and uh, you know start to creep their way back into national relevance I think they they go back into their hole after this week Chargers take care of them get to seven and five which is a record that I feel like the Chargers should have given how much talent they have I still think they should make the playoffs. Um, so we will see this is potentially the first step to getting back to that point um, okay. On to our viewer questions before we call it quits for the day. This was an interesting one. Again, Raiders related. Do you feel that the Devonte Adams trade helped the Raiders at all? Now there's a few ways to think about this one. I want to hear your thoughts on this Maddie, and then I will give you mine.
1: Um. Yes, I do think that it helped the Raiders. I think that it diversified their offense. I just don't think that you have, a quarterback who can take advantage of that and be a offensive coordinator who's able to play call to make it um, a, a game changing addition. Um, but overall, yeah, I do think the Adams trade did help the Raiders.
0: Yeah. I th- I think it helped them beyond this year. Maybe, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Raiders, they, again, we talked about it earlier. They have a lot of decisions to make this off season, but to me it comes down to what they gave up for them. They didn't, give up a ton for what is arguably the best receiver in football at the very least top three, at the very least top five, regardless of how jaded you are about maybe him being older than some of the younger studs in the league. Um, they gave up a first and second round pick that ultimately turned into Quay Walker and Christian Watson for the Packers, which is, those are some good gets for the Packers. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but they didn't have to give up some crazy pick haul. It wasn't a ton. And Devonte Adams is the kind of guy that if, and when the Raiders find the right coaching and just the right pieces to put around, He's a guy they're going to be happy that they have. They have the cap space to keep him around. Um, you know, it's not like it's crippling their, their pocketbooks or anything like that. So, no, I think yeah. it was still beneficial for them. But it's a valid question because it's like if they don't have Devontae Adams, how much better or worse is their record this year? Is it really that much different? I, I Probably not. But you get a guy and then you worry about that stuff after the fact. Mm-hmm. So, I think it was still the right move to set them up for success. They just haven't done a great job of realizing that success just yet. I agree. Um, and then our next question Again, we just touched on it a little bit. Do you think Deshaun Watson will be able to turn the Browns around? Mm. And I'm I'm not sure. It's such a hard thing to answer when a guy hasn't played in that long. Um, we don't
1: really know what to expect, to be honest.
0: No, we don't. We don't know if this is going to be a rusty Deshaun Watson or what it's going to be. So the Browns are sitting at 4-7. and seven. Their upcoming schedule is the Texans, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Saints, the Commanders, and the Steelers. Some tough games in there. I mean, the divisional matchups against the Bengals and the Ravens, we know those aren't going to be easy. The Saints and then the, the Saints, the Commanders, and the Steelers to close out the year. I mean, those are three potential wins. But again, the commanders have been playing tough too. The Steelers have a talented defense. Um I don't think he's going to turn them around this year in the sense of them making the playoffs. I, I don't. Um I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I think he comes in, so they're four and seven. Let's let's call I'll call the Texans game a win. I'll call Saints a win and Steelers a win. So three more wins. They get to seven and what would it be? Seven and 10. Um, I think that's reasonable for the Browns. And I feel like that's their ceiling for this year. This with as many games as Watson was suspended for and as much praise as we gave Jacoby Brissett. Unfortunately, Brissett didn't get them to a point where it was like, okay, now Deshaun can come in and get us to the playoffs. Like four and seven is not the record they were probably hoping to come in with Deshaun um, at. So I think uh, I think it's too far gone this year. I think this is going to just be a few weeks of seeing how much Deshaun, how rusty is he, and what's mm-hmm. he going to look like maybe next year. Uh, but for this year, no, I think I think the Browns are kind of cooked a little bit.
1: I can agree with that. I think I mean it's a it's a good question, right? Because it's kind of on everybody's minds. Nobody really has delved right into it just because we've been distracted by the off the field drama. But obviously, the Browns do think that he's going to be the the game changer, the Messiah who's going to come in and mm-hmm. resolve everything. We don't know enough about him. He hasn't played in two years to be able to say what he's going to do for sure. He's not going to do. I don't think he's going to do anything. That's going to turn this team around this year. I agree with you on that front. Um, and I don't know about going forward because again, like I said, like the Browns don't have an identity on offense. We don't, there's nothing to even fall back on to say like, what are they going to do? So, it's kind of just like a wait and see situation. But as of this year, I don't think that he's going to be able to do anything. That's going to turn it around.
0: Yeah. I do think it's funny how, you know, to open the podcast, I kind of talked about um, fans having a short memory and just the weeks going by and making you forget things. The fact that in the off season this was the only thing we talked about and that we kind of did forget about him for probably the past two months or so just because the rest of the NFL season is so busy is just crazy to me. And now we're finally here week 13 and he's coming back and it almost feels like it's out of nowhere despite him being every single headline in the off season.
1: Well, yeah, and that's hard because it's just like, at least for me, like I don't even want to give it any more attention, but it's right. also it is intriguing because it's the most talked about storyline in football right now, I feel like.
0: Yeah, so this will be the first week that we are given an indication of what Deshaun Watson is going to be. Obviously, you expect some level of rust, uh, regardless whether you know that means uh, just one touchdown or if it means he is absolutely catastrophically bad. Who knows? We are going to find out in the next few weeks whether he is joining you know the Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers echelon of being paid way too much to be garbage, or if this was actually a good investment by the Browns. I mm-hmm. honestly have no idea. I feel like after a few weeks he'll get back to who he is because he is still young. Um, you know, I don't think the time away has completely zapped his ability. He's well uh, rested. Yeah, yeah. So He's it'll be
1: fresh legs. I mean, who was it, Josh Allen, who came out this week and said if if you like if you are an athlete playing in the NFL, you've been playing all games and you've reached it to this point. Everybody's playing with an injury, whether you're talking right. about it or not. So he has the unique privilege of coming in well-rested, um, and he basically gets to start in the middle of the season with All right, so a fresh body.
0: We will see what Deshaun Watson holds for the Browns and potentially what their outlook is for you know the next several years. Obviously, they got him locked up for, I believe it's five years, uh, but mm-hmm. that'll do it for this episode of Off the Bench, Maddie. Any parting thoughts as we head into week thir- 13? Yeah. 13.
1: We're headed into week 13. Yeah. We have one more game tonight, um, which I'm ready for. And I'm excited because I do think that we are going to have a live show this week. We haven't been able to because holidays and all the good stuff, but we're back on it this week. And it's always fun to get to talk to the people who listen to this podcast, too, because it's nice to be able to interact and have a good time.
0: Right. So, yeah, if you guys want to come in with some fantasy football questions, regular NFL questions, we will be live this Thursday, just before Thursday night football. What is the game this week on Thursday night? It is, oh, Buffalo, New Buffalo. England. Man, I should have mm-hmm. known that. Okay. Uh, I was so you'll say, be getting... I was
1: excited to see what your reaction was. Yeah, you'll be,
0: getting, you'll be getting an extra invested, uh, Brandon, in that live show because, mm-hmm. man, we can make a statement in that game. So that'll be a good one. But all right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of Off the Bench. We are going back on the bench for the next few days until we see you for that Thursday live show. For Maddie Kroll, I'm Brandon Carney, and we will talk to you guys soon.